I would invite you to turn now to the book of Revelation. We'll be saying that for many a week now in the evenings. Revelation is a, is a long and complex book, but there is much to be gleaned from it and great blessing to be found in it. Our text this evening is Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let's pray for God's blessing upon His Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask this evening that You would pull back the veil. Pull back the veil of our hearts that we might love the Lord Jesus. Pull back the veil from our eyes that we might see the Lord Jesus. Pull back the veil from our wills that we might obey the Lord Jesus. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Revelation chapter 1. This is the very Word of God. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead." and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so... Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Have you ever had an experience where you were nervous and afraid and you needed someone to talk you down, as it were? Maybe it was when you were younger or are younger and you woke up in the middle of the night frightened by a dream or scared about a noise at a bump in the night. And you felt better once your parents had explained everything that was going on. It wasn't some kind of monster or ghost that made the noise. It was the tree hitting the window. Look, turn on the light. See the branches? See them scraping against the window? Can't you see it? Look, come over here. Touch the tree. Oh, now I understand. Or perhaps it was when you were older, when you were afraid with respect to your health or your job, and you needed someone to come alongside you and explain to you the reality of life and the reality 
of the Lord and His protection. You see, we all need that at one time or another. It does no good to be a Christian and just simply whistle in the dark. When we are afraid, when we are nervous, when we are concerned, we need to know more of God. We need to know more of His plan, more of who He is and how He loves us, and that is how we get through the difficulties, the scary times of life. And that, in a nutshell, is what the book of Revelation is about. It's about God knowing that we are scared, that we are going through difficult times, through battles, through persecution, and He is going to tell us more about who He is, who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and what the kingdom of God is. And when we know more, we can live with it. Our hearts are calmed. Our minds are quieted. And so that's what we will be looking at in the weeks and months to come as we look at the book of Revelation. And this evening I want to remind us that this is not an esoteric book. This is not a book full of visions that are difficult to understand. Although there are some. Mainly and plainly, this book is a letter from the Lord Jesus Christ. We forget that in all of the technicolor that comes on. This is very clearly a letter from Jesus to His people. That we might know who He is and what He has in store for us. And so this evening I would like us to see three things about this letter. First, I would like us to see that it is a letter meant to inform. It is a letter to inform us. To fill our minds. To let us know what the Lord is doing. But secondly, it is also a letter to bless us. It is not just about us filling our heads with knowledge. We are blessed by this letter. So it is a letter to inform, but it is also a letter to bless. And then lastly, we need to be reminded that it is a letter that does not come in a vacuum. It is a letter from the Lord Himself. So a letter to inform, a letter to bless, and a letter from the Lord. Let's start by looking at the nature of this letter in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It is a letter to inform. It is revealing to us. Now, we forget this. I I have to admit that one of my pet peeves would be when you ask people, what's the last book of the Bible? And they say that's the book of Revelations. If you look at your Bible, there's no S on the end of it. And this is not because I'm a grammarian. It's because this letter is not primarily just about revealing things. It is the revelation, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word revelation means taking back the veil. You can think of that in several ways. Perhaps those of you that are romantic think about, especially in the olden days when the bride's veil would be very thick so you couldn't see her face. And you would take back the veil and see the beauty of the bride. Perhaps others of you might think in more common terms of the ever-famous, let's make a deal. When you never knew when the curtain was moved and what would be revealed would be a donkey or a car. It was all in the unveiling. You would see. It wouldn't change, but you didn't know until the veil was pulled back. That's what's happening here In this book, it is the unveiling of who Jesus is, and it is the unveiling of God in control. 
If there is one theme that runs throughout the entire book of Revelation, it is that God is sovereign and in control. I want you to remember that the main point of this book is not to give us prehistory. It is to tell us who Jesus Christ is. And that's why it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a revelation about Jesus, but it is also a revelation from Jesus. The source of this revelation is from God. It is from and about Jesus. And God took very great care to bring it to us. It is as if God passed off this revelation to Jesus, who carefully passed it off to his angel, who carefully passed it off to John, who passed it on to us. But its source is God himself. John is the recipient because the Lord wants us to know what is in this book. He is taking great care. And so he gives this revelation to his beloved disciple. John is the last living apostle. And before the apostles completely pass from the scene, the Lord will reveal this great book. He will reveal the power, the might, and the glory of Jesus Christ. John reminds us that he is no amateur. He is one who was a witness, a one who can testify to, who was a martyr, as it were, a recipient of the Word of God. He had seen the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He bears witness to this. He is sound. He is trustworthy. And this Word comes to us. Now, you have to remember this book was written for the comfort of the first century Christians. And that tells us, as we looked at several weeks ago, that the primary emphasis of this book is not merely things that will happen in the future. Because if all this was about was whether Bill Gates or Steve Jobs was the Antichrist, that wouldn't be very useful to Jeremiah and Josiah and John and Peter and Paul in first century life. They wouldn't even need this book. This book was written to them. But at the same time, we don't look at this and say this was only for them and all of these things have already happened and there's no need to study this book because like Paul's letter to the Philippians, it was written to that church, but also to us. We are to gain from this letter, from this book. It has great value to us today. I want you to also see something that cuts contrary to our ordinary thoughts about Revelation. You see, we normally think of the book of Revelation as something very difficult to figure out. That is, that God is concealed. That unless you study prophecy for days and weeks and months and years on end, you can never hope to understand it. That there's some kind of secret code, some omega code that we have to learn. And we put like, when we used to, I don't know if they still have this, kids, when they used to have the prize you'd get out of the Cracker Jack box and you'd put it over the secret writing and it would tell you what it was. You know, it was when the writing was blue and red and it filtered out the blue. But that's not what Revelation is like. Revelation is actually written with a purpose to reveal God has nothing to hide. You see, it's odd, but that's the emphasis. Look here with me at verse 1. This is a revelation, an unveiling that God gave to do what? 
to show. Don't let the obvious pass you by. This is a book that is written to show what God wants us to see. He wants to make it known. He wants to make these things known. The word here for make known is the word to draw a sign, to make clear, to reveal. He made it known. He made a sign that we would see. This word for made known is the word that is used in the Bible three times referring to Jesus making known the purpose of His death. The the purpose here is to reveal. And He is holding nothing back. Look what is said here. What is being revealed here are all that He saw, even to all that He saw at the end of verse 2. Now, the, the grammar of this is actually even a little bit clearer. It's not all that He saw, it's As much as he saw, that's what he revealed. As many things as he saw, that exact number he revealed. The purpose here is to reveal for us everything that he had seen. Jesus is going to make sure that we know what is happening. And he is revealing, as we see in verse 1, the things that must soon take place. Now, this has caused no end of consternation. Some wonder why this verse is in here if so many things happen in the future. Does this mean everything that is happening here is going to happen within 15 minutes of John writing it down? I don't think so. It's not just the immediate. It's not just the future. But it's things that will come suddenly and therefore we need to know. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Let me illustrate it this way. Some of you know a friend of mine. You may know him by the name, the safety man. And this is, of course, Daryl Brister. And he is making sure that we are safe in all ways. So much so that I was at General Assembly this past year and I was talking with a friend of mine and asked him how the Committee on Bills and Overtures was going. And he said, it's going well. And, you know, there's a man there that was very concerned that we all knew from our room, where we could get to the exits in case there was a fire. He wanted to know we had looked on the door to see where the nearest exit was. And if you have ever traveled with Daryl, you know that he will bug you to no end to make sure that you know you can find the exit. Now, many of us think, well, whatever, it's not, the building's not going to burn down. But Daryl knows that the building's on fire, you don't have time to figure it out. You have to know ahead of time. You have to be ready to move, you have to go. That's what Jesus knows here. You see, he's not telling you to wait for persecution. He's not telling you to wait for the battle. He's telling you to know ahead of time, to be ready, that you can move, that you can be safe. That's what it means, things that are suddenly to come to pass. The Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be ready for the battles that will come before us. This is a letter that is designed to inform us. But secondly, it is also a letter that is designed to bless us. There is a blessing to be had in this letter. You see, God does not design this book merely for secret knowledge. That's why there is this great chain of transmission from God to Christ to the angel to John to us. It is a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done and who He is. 
And the beginning of this book makes it clear. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. The word here for blessed is the same word that we see over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. There is a great blessing that comes from the book of Revelation in the same way that there is a good practical blessing from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is the one who reads. Blessed is the one who hears. Blessed is the one who keeps. Who gets this blessing? Well, first, it's the reader, as we have said. The one who studies the Word. The one who studies this book. Who mulls it over in their mind. But it's also one who meditates on this. You see, you read aloud to think through things. To understand. But it is also, for this reason, I think, something to be read in public worship. The church is to be blessed. Not just individuals. But the church, the people of God, is to be blessed by this book. But also the one who hears is to be blessed. Why the one who hears? Well, because we must read and understand what is in the Scriptures, but we must also hear it. Now, you have to understand that in Bible terms, hearing involves more than sound waves going into your ear. The biggest danger to hearing in the Bible is not having an ear that needs uh, electronic amplification. It's hearing that is involved by sitting on a chair or a couch and not moving. You see, hearing in the Bible implies, requires doing, acting. Acting on what we have heard. James puts it this way, I think, very clearly. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, it is not enough for us to hear about Jesus. It is not enough for us to hear about the gospel. We must act and obey. That's what biblical hearing is. But our Lord takes it to the next level even. Those who are blessed are those who read aloud, those who hear, but also those who keep. Those who keep what is written in this book, they are to be blessed. Now, what does this mean to, be, to keep this? Does that mean that you should go home immediately, get on the internet and print out the book of Revelation and put it in several spots so you don't lose it? Go buy a few more editions of the Bible and put them in a safe or hide them around so you keep them? No. What keeping here means is watching over, protecting, treating as valuable, and keeping it at the critical time. Because you see, we are to keep what is written, verse 3 says, for the time is near. And this word for time doesn't just mean the time on the clock on the wall. It means the critical time. That time in which everything comes down to this. The last second play in the game. The moment when the surgeon cuts. When you sit down and take out the number two pencil. The critical time. 
That's when we are to keep this word in our heart, to be ready for that. This is not unlike how our Lord told Adam to keep the garden, to protect. Not only to work, but to keep, to protect. This is the goal of the Christian. This is the blessing that comes to those who read and hear and keep. And it's a blessing that is grounded in a current blessing that we already have. Look at verse 4. This book is addressed to the seven churches that are in Asia. To be addressed to a church should remind us that this book is addressed to those whom Jesus already loves, who are already a part of His bride, whom He has already shed His blood for, that they might have forgiveness of sins. You see, the blessing of this book comes to those who are already blessed by Jesus. Because he has worked a work in their lives. And we see then this famous opening. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace and peace comes to those who are blessed. This is another one of the reminders that this is a letter of instruction. Because this phrase, grace and peace to you, occurs 12 times in the Bible. In Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Jude, and Philemon. Every letter basically has this. And it's a reminder that in that sense, Revelation is like every other part of the Bible. It brings blessing to those who are already the blessed of God. Well, this is a letter that is meant to inform. It is meant to bring and to remind us of the blessings that God has for us. But it is also, we must remember as we go through this book, it is a letter from the Lord. It comes from the true God Himself. And John makes this clear by using Trinitarian language. He says it comes from who is and who was and who is to come. Now, that should remind you of another Bible passage. What sounds like that? But not Exodus. Who are you? I am who I am. Which you could also translate, I was who I was. And you could also translate, I will be whom I will be. It is the ever-existent, without beginning, without end, eternal God. That is whom this letter comes from. But it also comes from the seven spirits who are before His throne. And these seven spirits are one. It is a reference to the Holy Spirit. We will see it in other places in this book. It describes the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You remember this number seven is the number of perfection or fullness. And so when it talks about the seven spirits, it's speaking about the all-powerful, all-perfect Holy Spirit of God who is before the throne of God. And then, of course, it also comes from Jesus Christ, from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All send this letter to you and to me. It's a letter that comes from He who is the King past, present, and future. 
And that is a reminder of God's faithfulness. When we think about the challenges that today faces, it is a wonderful thing to look back at the faithfulness of God and how He has kept His promises every time. And that permits us not only to get through today, but to be ready for tomorrow. To know that God's presence is with us today and will be with us for certain in the future. We can rest comfortably in that. It comes from the triune, true God. But this letter also comes from the King of His people. It comes from Jesus Christ Himself. And look how John describes Him. He is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Who is this Jesus? Well, He is first and foremost, He is the prophet extraordinaire. He is the witness of the things of God, and He is faithful in transmitting it. Every word of Jesus is true. Every promise in the Bible you can rely on. Every hope you have that is founded on Scripture is a sure hope. Jesus Christ is the prophet sent by God to tell us the will of God. But He is also a king. Do you see that here? He is not only the faithful witness, He is the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. He is the head of His church. He is the first of the resurrected kingdom. And we all follow and serve Him. He is the King of His church. But there is no one who can escape His rule. You see, there are some who think today that they can avoid serving Jesus by disobeying Him. Perhaps you have even thought this at times. That you don't have to do all of the many things that are in the Bible. That you don't have to listen to all of the many commands that Jesus has. You'll be out on your own. You'll be independent. Use your own wisdom. But you see, Revelation reminds us that Jesus is not just the king of the church. He's the king of everyone. He is the king of all the rulers. Even the most powerful rulers in the world. Rulers that we have seen like Nebuchadnezzar. Rulers that we have seen like Xerxes. Whose very word is life and death. They are under the authority of King Jesus. That makes it easier to live through elections, doesn't it? Really doesn't matter who wins Iowa District number 8. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote, but in the grand scheme of things, who's in control? Jesus is. And He will do what He will do. They won't pass a bill when He isn't looking. They won't somehow take the church somewhere where he is not already prepared for her to go. He is the king. The king of kings. What a great comfort to the Christian. You see, we have greater freedom than almost any believers in the world. So many of our brothers and sisters live under real tyrants who could drag them off in the middle of the night and torture them. Who could break into their church services and machete or shoot people. But you see, they, like we, must rely on Jesus Christ to be our King. And you see, even this is a hint of the victory that is to come. In Revelation 17, we see that those who oppose Jesus will make war on the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings.
like the poster says. Here's the end. God wins. He's in control. He's not only a prophet, he's not only a king, but he is also a priest. He is one who loves us and who died for us that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And you see, knowing who Jesus is helps us to understand what he does, that he redeems us from sin, but that he also transforms us. Look at what John's language tells us. Not only are we redeemed, but in verse 6, we are made a kingdom or we are made kings, some translations have. We are made priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Now this is something that has already been done. Do you see it? He has, what? Made us a kingdom and priests. Not that he will, but he has. He has already accomplished this great transformation in our lives. And it's for this reason that he's worthy of all of our glory. Lastly, in conclusion, he is not only the king of his people, he is the coming king. Because you see, he is the son of man who will come with the clouds. And that language is Old Testament language. We're going to need to brush up on our Old Testament as we go through the book of Revelation. Because this is a direct reference to Daniel chapter 7. And how the Son of Man comes with the clouds of the heaven, like the Ancient of Days, to set everything to right. It's what Jesus describes in Matthew 24 and 26 when He says, I will come with the clouds to bring about the consummation of My kingdom. Jesus is coming to set all things right. He is coming as judge. You see, every eye will see Him. Even those who have pierced Him. Those who have put Him to death, who have crucified Him by their sins. And all on the earth will wail on account of Him. Because you see, when Jesus comes, all second chances are over. There is no do-over. Some of you remember that from playing baseball when you were young. You hit the ball and it goes in the tree and you're not sure whether it's a hit or an out. Oh, it's a do-over. Life is not a do-over. You are either with the Lord Jesus or you are against Him. You either confess Him as Lord and Savior or you are a rebel. And now is the time to choose. Now is the day of salvation. Because He is coming. And when He comes, He will come with power. He is the Lord God Almighty. This word here for Almighty is very interesting. It's a word that means all power. And it's actually a word that is related to a type of sporting event. You see, in the old days of Greece, there were wrestling matches. But there was also something called the pankration. The all-fighting power. And the difference between wrestling or boxing in the pankration was there were no rules in the pankration. You had to be as strong as you could. If you could break a bone, you could break a bone. If you wanted to gouge an eye, you could gouge an eye. It was all about who had the greatest physical strength. And you see, that's how Jesus is described here. There is no one more powerful than Him. No one that can stay Him. He is the all-powerful one. The devil doesn't stand a chance. Is that your view of Jesus? I think far too often 
We're afraid because we have a weak view of Jesus. We wonder if he really can protect us, if he really will protect us. And this book of Revelation will teach us and encourage us that Jesus is on our side, that he is protector of his people. What a great blessing to us to know that God protects us, keeps us, and that he desires us to know this. He reveals this for us in this great book. Let's pray.